Welcome to Son of a Preacher Man with Jonathan Martin, a new podcast that's all about finding beauty and brokenness, grace and grit, God and the ambiguity of the in-between. This episode is a continuation of a conversation that Jonathan was having with author and nonprofit leader Carlos Rodriguez on the idea that there are no lines in Christianity. At the end of this conversation, Jonathan and Carlos answered questions from the audience. Enjoy. There's a thing that's happening, and I feel like your story in the story you're telling right now mm. embodies it, represents it. I think it's um, it's your story, but it's a it's a broader story happening in the body of Christ right mm-hmm. now where and I want to be careful about this because I don't want to I sometimes, especially like in the church world capital C, we can get way too hung up like just trying to figure out how to name a thing, how sure. to how to describe what we're doing. Sure. But there I really do feel like in this very strange, volatile time where everything's framed in that conservative, liberal, right-left framework, where the whole framework is broken. Yeah. There's something new that the Spirit of God is doing. There's a new sound. There's something else that's happening right There's now. There's a new platform. There's a new platform. There is a new platform. Everywhere I go, I yeah. sense it. I yeah. hear it. Everywhere I go, people are telling me their stories of deconstruction and walking yeah. away, yeah. and they're expecting me to find this sad. I'm always excited yeah. <laughs> because of like every time yeah. that someone feels that stirring, it almost always, if you follow it all the way through the source, yeah. there's something of the restlessness of the Holy Spirit at work there that's actually taking them someplace good. They may not know it yet so just good. now. Me and Justin were at a wine bar a little earlier, and we had this great conversation with the guy beside what? us over here as he was talking about. <laughs> I meant we were at a coffee shop having a coffee... <laughs> And they went guy, to the movies at two, then they went to the wine bar at guy, five. Yeah, that's right, that's right. I was preaching last <laughs> week and I didn't get none yeah. of that. Just putting that out there, Churchill Morgan. I went home to put my kids to a nap. You can only imagine preaching. how the night's going to end. Yeah. Like, where, it goes from here, where do you go from here? Just making the team <laughs> aware. Botchery. It's like, no, this guy overhears our conversation. He's like telling us his story of going to seminary near by and uh, at Southeastern and dropping out disillusionment and we have this amazing everywhere I go I'm hearing these stories and and somehow in the midst of the disillusionment and despair I know that there's something new that God's doing and I know that there's a new sound mm. with these sons and daughters and and this is in the broadest possible way and then we'll sure. transition to something more interactive here momentarily what is that thing what is that sound it's that's the thing it's new it's impossible to define it because it's new if we define it, we're using the old wineskin. We're using the old names, the old style, the old elasticity for it, right? It's so new. You just got to literally follow the voice. I love that, you know, your word is a lamp upon my feet. It's this little lamp. You don't get like a flashlight pointing the whole road. The lamp gives you maybe enough for two steps. And you got to follow that, that little step and then that other step. And if we're waiting for the whole road to be revealed to us, we're just going to be waiting and we're going to die where we're waiting. We just got to take that little step. And I feel like I should be doing this, starting this business, writing this book, going to this nation. Whatever it is that it feels like to you, just take the two steps. Just follow the voice in those two steps. 
you know, like, because it's impossible to define it. It, is. it really is. It has to be impossible because if it is possible, then we become the definers. So we're yes. God. And, it and just for can't people be like us way. who are so verbal, like a yeah, relentlessly yeah. verbal I I love and, it. <laughs> and language about things always <laughs> yeah. matters to me. I know it's got to be the Holy Spirit because I find myself like, there's like a reverence thing mm-hmm. where I know I, now I know I have to be careful not to name it. It feels like in the Old Testament it would be like... Um, when one of David's men with good intentions tries to steady the ark of God, you're not supposed to touch it. Like, oh, you don't want to touch this too directly. Yeah. To try to name it a certain way or to copyright it yeah. Yeah. Would, would, be, would be wrong. Yeah. But it's like, it's like, I'm just not used to being this much of a mystic. Like, it weirds me out a little bit. And I'm like, I know other people must think I'm weird because I feel weird. But like, in terms of how I think about these things, I, know, I, know. I go places right now and I'll be like... <laughs> I'm so sorry. This sounds so abstract. I'll walk away and I'll think, oh, the thing, the thing's happening there. Yeah. Oh, they get the thing. They get it. Yeah. That, that, the spirit thing, that's, that's happening there. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're in on this. Yeah. And not in a way that's like, it's not exclusive. It's elite insiders, outsiders. Yeah. It's not like, and it's not, it's certainly not saying like who's in Christ and who's outside. But I just yeah. think, for lack of a better way to put it, it's a new sound. It's a yeah. new sound. Yeah. And these days when people try to like pin me down on it and try to like, yeah. you know, like, like, hey, use whatever language you want to describe whatever it is that we're trying to do. Mm. I, I don't even know how to describe it. I just know yeah. there's a strong sense of God's leading yeah. and, and I, that we have to follow that we lamp. Even if you just see yeah. a couple inches in front of your face, like maybe, maybe just enough for one more step. Yeah, that's it. And I, so I'm fortunate to go to Latin America and Africa constantly. And I'm seeing what the American church is having a hard time to define, to formulate, to even fit itself into. I'm already seeing it thriving in the South. And we're miss, America's missing out because the church is thriving all around the world, especially, and this is props for us, Charismatics Pentecostal. You go to Colombia. I'm talking 30,000 people. I go to this church called Comunidad de Fe in Medellin. And there's 30,000 people. You're assuming, you think, oh, it's just a mega church. It's the healthiest place I've ever been to. It, the community is so tight. The leadership is so empowering one another. They have a million things happening all across the city. They do a concert every year in the bull ring where they pay for the top artists of Colombia to come, non-Christians. The church pays for everything. And all they require is that the church is in charge of the buses that bring people to the bullring. And in the buses, they'll pray for people. They'll sit with the lady, that single mom, and just encourage her. They'll do. But once you're in the concert, it's a free concert for the city. This, the whole town knows about. They have the most incredible children's home that's like funded by the church and the Colombian national football team, soccer team. I mean, it's just powerful, and it's rocking, and the spirit is moving, and things are happening, and we're kind of in America still trying to figure it out. It, it's helpful to do two things. Don't try to figure it out, and then humble yourself enough to know that other people have already figured it out, and maybe we just need to go and learn something from some of our brown brothers. Well, like Jesus really, is brown, that's, just that's, so you guys know. That's so good. That's so good. That's so, so good. Well, because I really do think that what's happening right now is that, and I think... Um, how can I say this? I really, I believe in the movement we're in, like whether you were, um, what's happening politically, mm-hmm. everything from me too, to yeah. 
Black Lives Matter to yeah. whatever. I truly believe that behind whatever the the currents are that Those, we can see yeah. and that are conspicuous, like sociologically, all oh, things are shifting. But to me, the larger story is I, I actually believe God, mm. the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is deconstructing all the systems. One hundred. God's judging it. God is judging. One hundred percent. And, and things, and that doesn't mean that like everything that happens under any banner or umbrella is good. Mm-hmm. But I do think there's ultimately something in the spirit that's deconstructing those systems. Mm. So while the old institutions and systems are being deconstructed, I do believe that what God is doing mm. is raising up these voices along the margins everywhere. Everywhere. Which margins? Parkland, Any margin. <laughs> Parkland students. Absolutely. 17-year-olds. Absolutely. 100%. I got so much pushback for this on social media, but I, 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 I watch that, and I'm saying this is... Yeah. What we read about Peter mm-hmm. on the day of Pentecost, quoting the book of Acts. This mm. is that which is spoken of by the prophet Joel in the last days. I'll pour my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. When, when you won't listen to anybody else. Yeah. When you won't listen to anybody else, will you listen to your own kids? Like, yeah. I absolutely think there's something of the Holy Spirit at work in that. Me too. And, and I, I love this, that, that counsel, Carlos, to like, instead of trying to figure it out, mm-hmm. Go to the outskirts, to the mm-hmm. places where God is already doing it. Yeah. Listen to those voices yeah. and, and, and jump in with them. Yeah. <laughs> do what they're doing. Because I really do think that part of what's happening is like, and I say this like with sincere humility, like this isn't like self-deprecation or something. I just feel like, you know, even the kind of stuff that I do, uh, I don't know, in terms of like some kind of like, I, I don't know what I do. But <laughs> the, the, this is like blogging and speaking in our little world, like people who like, read Christianity Today or like whatever, like uh, the whole thing's going to hell. Like we're on the Titanic. <laughs> Nobody cares about us. Nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to care for 10 more minutes. I don't care who any of it. And, not, and any of us, when I say us, I mean like not just like me, whether you could be Rick Warren or Andy Stanley or, yeah. and that's not throwing shade on them. No. I'm saying the biggest names in it. Yeah. Like the, the, the whole story is shifting. It has. And I yeah. think that we have the opportunity now that you can either like, we can e- either be stiff necked and resist it and yeah. say, Oh no, but we'll lose power. How are we going to cling on to it? Or say like, Hmm. All right, Holy Spirit, go. Hmm. Ta- even that, even it means that you're taking the steering wheel away from us. Yeah. All right, go yeah. and do that. I mean, if you follow the Gospels, there's that, there's that middle part where Jesus starts talking about eating his body and drinking his blood. Yeah. And it's just so outside of anything that they're like, that's like barbaric. That's like, you know, I mean, you could go into like the theology of it. For them, culturally Jewish is like, that's like the most evil thing you could say. And lost so many disciples of it. And then he says, am I going to lose you guys too? Are you also leaving? Mm-hmm. And Peter makes that. I mean, who else are we going to follow? You are the Christ. Yeah. And I feel like there's that kind of moment where it was good. We're going with Jesus. Things are happening. We're going. And all of a sudden, it's like he starts, you know, completely destroying every framework that we had that we boxed him in. Yeah. And now following him is a mystery. It really is the voice, the mystery, the who else are we going to follow? Jesus really is it. Yeah. I mean, I've fallen more in love with the name of Jesus this last two years yeah. because all the other names that I held on to that look or felt like Jesus are not. Yeah. And that's part of what I think makes us our journey a little weird too is because yeah. like we're, uh, I don't know good language for this, but like, you know, when you do care about poverty and you do care about like some of the issues that we care about, mm. that might draw like a certain kind of crowd. But yeah. where you where that where that that crowd may not always be drawn mm-hmm. is that 
we're we're waving our hankies for Jesus still. Yeah. yeah. And like, but because me, like, I have never, and that is weird. And this is this gives me so much peace because I have these moments where my life has shifted so much. Of course, I have these moments of like. Have I got it wrong? Am I the crazy one here? Am I losing my mind? Maybe I am a heretic. Maybe I've lost something. <laughs> maybe, there, maybe there's something wrong with me. But what I come back to over and over again, I've never loved Jesus more than I do in this precise moment, which is a hell of a thing to be able to say. That's it. I've never felt yeah. more of God, the, the sense of the Holy Spirit that I do right now. So I, I've, just, I've never been more in love with Jesus or, more, or, or cared more about getting other people to follow Jesus yeah. because I believe there's such life and wholeness and freedom in that. That's so ultimately, it. it's like, you know what? I'm going to trust that. I'm yeah. going to trust that if it's making me love Jesus more and love people more, That's it. it must not be a bad thing. That's it. Because it's not causing me to check out or get more into myself or whatever. It's, it's causing me to get more lost in love for God and for, and that for was, other people. That was a question they used to ask the team in Toronto in the early 90s. How do you know this is God and not the devil? Ah. And the answer was an answer that they got from some of the writings of John Wesley. Mm, yeah. Well, if... if <laughs> If the devil is making people fall more in love with God, then the devil's doing an amazing job. And we'll let the devil do his thing. Because the truth is, people in that wild scenario were falling more in love with Jesus, were deciding to, all these now known missionaries like Heidi Baker and Mozambique and all these people all over the world in that mess of Toronto just fell in love with Jesus, fell in love with people, and decided to, you know, follow him. So... If, if it's the devil, then he's doing an incredible job at making me fall more in love with Jesus and even follow Jesus to places that I didn't used to follow Jesus. Right. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you, Carlos. So mm. tell you what, so here's the thing. I had uh, thought we would wrap this conversation about 15, 20 minutes ago to go to like Q&A, but it's been so good. This yeah. has been rich. I hope you're not bored. Um, I, I would not want to get out of here without us being able to have some time to talk together. Please, yeah. So if you guys are cool with this. And maybe, um, Justin, if you were one of the guys could just help us here, because I would love for anybody who asks questions to be mic, just so we have that for the recording. Yeah, that's good. But if anybody has anything that you want to like uh, throw out, I'd just, just love to just kind of open it up for the last, uh, if, if I'm not keeping you all too late on a school night, uh, say like maybe 15 minutes or so, just have a little Q&A, a little back and forth. Thank you, Carlos for sharing your heart and your story. This feels very special to me because like whatever it is that God is doing, I think for some of us who have been on the margins of our respective communities, getting together like this is awfully, it's awfully encouraging. So, so yeah. But yeah, like does anybody have anything you want to ask? Anything that's stirred up in your spirit, man? Ashley. Um, I, I had a question about women's place in this kind of new movement that you're talking about. And when I look at Donald Trump and the support he's getting from a lot of white evangelicals, um, I see him really as embodying a toxic form of masculinity. And I feel like there's a strong place for women in this movement to combat that toxicity. And I wondered if you could just speak to that, um, what women leaders may be you're following in this movement. That's one of the things I'm seeing so much in Latin America. In Puerto Rico, the three biggest churches, most influential churches right now in Puerto Rico are female-led. Um, and I'm talking like powerhouses, national voices. I'm seeing that a lot in Latin America. And something for us as Pentecostals Charismatic, the Azusa revival in the early 1900s, it was a black man who could barely read and write, blind in one eye, had this crazy move of God where the speaking in tongues kind of came back. Um, and it set off this, like, 
woman preacher after woman preacher after woman preacher because in the spirit it was like everybody if you got the holy spirit you're good that was the only condition you got to have the spirit if you got the spirit you're empowered you're the voice you're the one so there's no doubt about it that it is the moment and it's for people like us to pass the mic more and more to make room to be intentional more and more um and it's for it's for churches in general to just be very intentional because God is speaking in the margins, and there's no doubt about it, the Me Too movement, the Church Too movement, is one of the most beautiful things that has happened in the last two years in the Trump era, I think. I think, um, think Ashley, I think at the end of that, I think you asked, like, who are some of the voices we're listening to? I mean, like, there are a lot for me. I know one, and I hope she hears this in the podcast. Somebody let her know I said this. Um, I know she's a friend of this particular community. Sarah Bessie is one of my favorites because I think – she speaks as a mother, not just to her kids. She speaks as a mother to the church. There's a, there's a fierce tenderness that she has. She's bold, but she's humble. And there's, there's just a special authority on her in that way. Like, so I know like Sarah's one of the voices that I find most instructive to me. Um, I think Jen Hatmaker has that thing on her that's, very, that, that's potent right now. I mean, there's just uh, Lisa Sharon Harper, our friend who was just with us, uh, Lisa is like, she, man, boy, did she preach the house down. But I think, and, and what she's doing, not only in terms of like, um, not just that she's a woman, but her, her understanding, like her reading of, of, of history and culture and race, it's so brilliant. And the work that she's doing is brilliant and anointed and powerful, you know? So it's like, I, I, you know, I, I'm just, I just, I'm seeing that in, in a lot of different directions. And something, by the way, that I'm going to like, uh, I may want to be, I have, I've done well tonight, I think, to not be too feisty or riff. But there was this thing a little while back where I felt like there was like consistent critique that it kept cropping up around various of some of these very women that I'm talking about, where people kind of within the ecclesiastical structures are like, well, you've got all these celebrity mommy bloggers out there and da-da-da, and like, da-da. which, first of all, whenever this is just, this is just a footnote, there are a lot of things that are destructive about celebrity culture and celebrity Christian culture, and that's always a challenge for those of us who are, do have a platform, whatever. You know, we have to be very self-critical, whatever. But I'm just going to throw this out like free of charge, that normally people who get on the Internet and make a really big deal out of that celebrity thing are often people who work inside of institutions and systems where they don't feel like they've got the large enough platform that they want, and so then it feels really good to tear down the people who do it. I really think that. I feel like there's jealousy in that. And part of what kind of pissed me off about that in particular at the time is that because I am this much of a Pentecostal, you know what? The, the Holy Spirit gives a kind of weight and authority and influence sometimes. There are some people who get, plenty of people have platforms and, and, and big microphones who aren't saying good things. But there's also a way in which, like, if, there's, if the authority of the Spirit rests on someone, yeah, people are going to come out and hear them preach and teach. And my deal is, like, don't hate on people just because there's an anointing on their lives that is that is such that just because they have it come from in your system or they haven't been ordained or like consecrated within your seminary that somehow what they're doing is less some of these voices like the reason that the message is resonating the way that it is is because God's powerfully God's powerfully using them you know and so I love that I, there's a certain kind of anarchy to Pentecost and look, I'm all about, I love church history and the fathers and I, the, the, the continuity of the church, all those kind of things. But the, there's, there's a tension here 
that there is, again, there's an anarchy to the spirit. And what I see in all that right now, if for all the even destructive things that are happening on the internet, that's one of the things I love most about it, is that it, 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 it's, it's democratizing the world in a different way. If you have something to say, if you have a story, if you have a message, if you have a song, if you have a gift, nobody else has to give you, have, validate you to be able to say that. If, if God has, has poured out his spirit on you in some way and you say that thing, if you put out that, that creativity that God's put in your heart to do, it, it will make room for itself. That, room, that gift will make room. I, I'm going to the whole thing now. So thank you for the great question. Yeah. So how do we as like young liberal people of faith find the right leaders in this movement as it's developing? How do we make sure that we're not falling for the same sort of self-righteous, overly pure, even if they are liberal-like versions of Jerry Falwell Jr. or Franklin Graham? Because our, my movement specifically was so into spiritual fathers, the message of the Heavenly Father then kind of translated into really having spiritual fathers, I, I have a really strong sense of, I, I want to find two or three men and women that I believe in that I'm going to follow and follow them close enough to see the real mess um, and to learn from that mess. So it, it's going to be impossible to find the right candidate. It's impossible. I, I think the invitation is find the one that you, know, you feel led to, called to, the voice leads you to, and then like get really close. I'm, I'm all about... If you want somebody to mentor you, that's the thing, right? We're looking for fathers. A whole generation that in the deconstruction, they feel like orphans. There's a legitimate like orphan sensation. Even going to a church you've been to your whole life, you feel like you don't belong in that family anymore, right? There's that sense of I don't belong. Number one, take that to Jesus. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. I love it in the Greek. It's I am coming to you. Like it's a, like it's a present, I'm coming to you. And then number two, like I'm being intentional about I want to hang out with that person. I want to learn from them. I want them to be some kind of mentor figure. I'm going to invite them. I'm going to take them out for a meal. I'm going to send them a bottle of wine after they give me that time. One of those guys for me is Brian McLaren. Um, and, and he's just one of those voices. And I've been like intentional. Hey, I'm, you're doing that thing in Marco Island. I'm coming. Can I stay an extra day? And he gives me three hours and we have this time. And what, 30% of what he says, I'm like, Pfft. But that other 70%, I'm lushing on, and I'm having these discussions. And that's, you have to take responsibility for not being an orphan in that sense. As that's weird as that sounds. So good. And I love you what you said, because I think that's true, too. Like, and I, I would say this for anybody with my own content. I mean, I'm not foolproof. You, feel free to throw out 30% or more so. I, um, I, I, I don't trust anybody who thinks of themselves as being too infallible. That's, if, that's, what's, that's one thing to listen to. <laughs> If they take themselves too seriously and they always think they're right, be real careful with that because I don't care what direction they're coming from if there's no humility there. And the other thing I would say that I think just like that is that might sound real simplistic. And, and even in this, I don't mean it as a way to say, okay, no one needs to wholesale uncritically accept anything that anybody says, nor do we need to reject anybody altogether just because like... Uh, I started to say this in a way that's funny, and I realized this, it might come out as more of a dig than I mean to. But, like, I mean, Jerry Falwell Jr. is going to say something good sometime by accident. I mean, it's just going to happen. He's going to accidentally stumble into something and be like, I don't want to become someone who, like, says, like, if, John, if Jerry Falwell Jr. quotes John 3.16, that's not true. That's not right. 
He didn't give his, oh wait, he did give his only begotten son. It's still true, even though you said it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But I do think like a more simple gauge though, just like in terms of how the extent you follow a person, I would say like pay attention to the fruit. Pay attention to the fruit. Jesus talks about fruit a lot and, and not judging people, but there is a way in which we can judge fruit. And here's what I would say more in, in specifically about that. The time that we're living in right now is really, really toxic. And to me, like the fruit of the Spirit, like it always involves tenderness. It always involves joy and peace, and there's goodness to it. And so that, those are things I think. Is this a voice? Is this a leader? Is, is this message? Is it producing goodness? Are people, who follow, are people who follow this leader or their teaching, are they becoming more tender? Are they becoming more loving? Are they becoming more open? Are they becoming more Christ-like? Like those like fundamental questions. You know, again, and, and even that, again, is not, a, is not a, a, a recipe for, therefore, you should accept 100% of what they're saying and, you know, whatever. But just like if generally I see those kind of fruits, that kind of tenderness and that... Um, if, it's stir, if they're stirring up love for people who are not like them, then I'm going to say, okay, that's good. That seems like something the Holy Spirit would do. So yesterday, Jonathan preached um, about having these bodily experiences of meeting the Holy Spirit, of recognizing your own brokenness, of meeting other people in their brokenness. And Carlos, that's what you're doing in Puerto Rico, right? You're seeing a lot of brokenness. And I was just wondering if you would elaborate a little bit on the work that you're doing there and uh, what are the right ways to be helping you and supporting you um, in that endeavor? Catch, check, credit cards. Anyways. Um, <laughs> new pants. Yeah, yeah, new pants. Thank you. It's, a, it's a, I either hear new pants or you look like Drake. It's one of those two. It's, it happens. Anyways. Yeah, so really long story short, Hurricane Maria, <laughs> September 20th, we were there three weeks later, water filters was the first phase, um, and I now have a team in Puerto Rico, social workers, contractors, basically we're like going through the island identifying needs, houses that need to be restored, single mothers with children who have disabilities, whole communities that lost X, Y, or Z. So I'm identifying needs, and I'm becoming a bridge between all these churches and what I love outside of the kind of like preaching circuit. The nonprofit world has made it so much bigger. The church has become big again to me because I have Jesus Culture from Bethel coming in May, and I have Disciples of Christ, one of the most liberal churches I've ever been to in my life, coming in August. And then I have Hillsong coming in October. And I have, so uh, there's all these different spheres of Christianity. And I'm like, you have money, you have people, come to Puerto Rico. Um, you're going to have a good time. We're going to fix some houses. We're going to like love on some people. And I'm, I'm able to be that bridge for that. So moving my whole family, um, this, we're leaving June, um, Raleigh. And we'll be there almost on a monthly basis. We have a different team that's coming. And just identifying needs and getting ready for the next hurricane season, which starts in less than two months. Whatever you believe, like climate change, the hurricanes are getting bigger faster, stronger, more consistent. It's happening. It's real. Um, and we're getting ready to partner not just with Puerto Rico, but some of the other smaller islands. We Puerto Ricans were complaining that we wanted more attention. There's some of those smaller islands that people don't even know they exist and they've been decimated. So to be a base to the whole of the Caribbean as we kind of try to recover. So that's basically what we're doing. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. So, uh, we're at 8.30. Yeah. Um, I think just kind of maybe respect people's time. I want to cut us off. But if it's cool with you all 
to hang around for maybe 15 yep. minutes or so. I so value both of your voices that I really do hope, hey, Jonathan, this podcast is just going stronger than ever, you know, weeks and months and years from now, and uh, that we all find ourselves in this room again. Uh, one of my favorite things about you going to Puerto Rico, we kind of talked about this, a little separation anxiety, but uh, Carlos just said, hey, look, it's like essentially an hour and a half plane ride. And, uh, and so he's not going to disappear and he'll still be close and connected and around and we're not going to quit asking you to be with us and uh, excited to come join you there. So uh, thank you guys for the time, for the podcast. Jonathan, you got one? Yeah, yep. I'd like to say one thing. I'm so sorry you're doing such a beautiful job of closing out. I did want to just say, if, if this is all right, and uh, partly because you guys do make me feel like family and this has become such a sense of home, I, I hopefully I can say this in a way that doesn't feel like awkward somehow. Part of the weirdness of this season in my life is that, and I don't think it'll be like this forever, but right now I am doing the itinerant speaking and writing thing full time, so there's not the support or back of an institution or whatever. I just thought it'd be worth mentioning since this is a podcast event and uh, we will be broadcasting all that. And I don't have like a a tribe somewhere to say this to you. Otherwise, the podcast is is very new. We're only like four weeks in or so. It's a pretty ambitious idea because we're putting out two a week, which is sort of a lot. And uh, so, and I'm kind of right now. This is just what I felt led to in this season. I went from being a hobby podcaster before I was doing a little podcast that came out like once a month to kind of treating this as if it's my job and letting like this kind of be the primary sort of stream through which like everything else is coming. So all of that to say, uh, it's so, so helpful if you do subscribe to the podcast, if you don't mind simply sharing on social media, tremendously helpful right now in these early stages. And, and I say this without, we're not passing the chicken bucket tonight or anything like that. Um, I do have a Patreon page. And so, I mean, it does, it is costing to do this the way that we're doing it, especially twice a week and all that. So if you would feel so led to support there, my website's jonathanmartinwords.com and there's a link to the page. So if anybody wanted to become one of our holy rollers and support Son of a Preacher Man that way, really do appreciate it. So like, again, there's no ask tonight, not looking for checks or like whatever, but if you would feel led to support in that way, all that really helps, especially when we're in this early stage of really kind of getting established and, and, and getting some momentum. So thanks for letting me make that plug. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Like an LP, each episode is divided into side A and side B. Side A could be a sermon, a conversation with a guest, but will always introduce some idea. Side B will always be a creative exploration of that idea through music, question answering with listeners, or quirky rabbit trails off of side A for people who want the deep cuts, not just the singles. No matter who you are or where you come from, we hope this podcast will be a resource in helping you come to know the love that calls you by your true name. For more, go to jonathanmartinwords.com and sign up for our email list. Have a good day.